Blog Talk Radio. Would you just slip one hand up and say, Lord, you are welcome in this place. Now lay your hands on yourself. For the Bible says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. I want you to lay your hands upon yourself and say, Lord, you are welcome in this place. Say it again, Lord, you are welcome in this place. Now just lift your hands and receive his glorious presence. Kurt, Kurt, come help me, son. Sing this. Lord,
Imagine starting your day, not just with a cup of coffee or a quick glance at your phone, but with a powerful assurance that today can be extraordinary. Picture yourselves stepping into each moment, fueled not just by your plans and efforts, but by a divine promise of guidance and blessing. If you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. My friends, in the quiet moments of our mornings lies a precious opportunity to shape the hours ahead with hope, grace, and intention. It is in these serene early moments that we find our hearts most open to the whispers of God and where our souls are most receptive to His guiding hand. Let us reflect on the words from Psalm 118, verse 24, which says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This verse isn't just a statement. It's an invitation to align our hearts with a spirit of gratitude and joy. It reminds us that each day is a divine gift, intricately woven with possibilities and opportunities for us to discover and embrace. As we pray for a good day, we are not merely asking for favorable circumstances. We are also seeking to tune in our hearts to the beauty and blessings that each day holds. When we approach our day with prayer, we are not just hoping for the best. We are placing our trust in the one who holds all our days in his hands. We acknowledge that our own strength is limited, but in God we find an unlimited source of strength, wisdom, and peace. Therefore, our prayer becomes a powerful testament to our faith, a declaration that we choose to rely on God's promises and His unfailing love to guide us through the day. As we face the unknowns of the day with courage, we ask not just for the absence of trouble, but for the presence of God's peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace becomes our steady companion, guiding our thoughts, words, and actions, turning ordinary moments into extraordinary encounters with God's grace. As we seek God for a good day, we seek to align our will with God's will. It is in this sacred exchange that we find the essence of a truly good day. One that is not measured merely by worldly successes, but also by how closely we walk with the Lord. It's about seeing His hand in every detail, feeling His presence in every challenge, and hearing His voice in the quiet whispers of our hearts. So, my friends, let us come together in prayer, not only wishing for a better day, but as a powerful act of faith and surrender. Let us pray with hearts, full of hope, trusting that God is with us, guiding our steps and turning every day into a testament of His love and faithfulness. Today, as we seek a good day, let's remember 
that it begins here, in this moment of prayer, where heaven touches earth and your heart finds true joy in the Lord's embrace. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Heavenly Father, Creator of the heavens and earth, I come before you with a heart full of praise and thanksgiving. Your majesty and glory are beyond comprehension, and your love for us is unending. I exalt your holy name and acknowledge your sovereignty over all things. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and in your presence I find true peace and fulfillment. Lord, I thank you for this new day, a precious gift from your generous hands. I am grateful for the breath in my lungs, the strength in my body, and the opportunities that lie ahead. Your mercies are new every morning, and your faithfulness is as boundless as the sky. For the love and grace that you have given to me and my loved ones, I am eternally thankful. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth and in my life, as it is in heaven. As I stand in your presence, I ask for forgiveness of my sins, both known and unknown. Cleanse my heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness or resentment. For in forgiveness I find freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare victory over my day. I seek your guidance and wisdom in every decision I make. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Enlighten my mind with your divine insight and help me discern your will in all things. In every conversation, every interaction, in every choice, let your wisdom be my guide. Lord, I ask for your strength and courage. In moments of weakness, be my fortress. When I face trials and tribulations, be my rock. Let your courage fill my heart, enabling me to overcome obstacles and stand firm against the winds of adversity. I'm grateful that in your strength I can achieve all things. For with you all things are possible. I pray for your peace to surround me today. Let it guard my heart and mind. In the midst of chaos, let your peace reign. Let it be a beacon of hope to those around me, a testament to your calming presence in my life. Protect me, Lord, from all harm. Be my shield and defender against the schemes of the enemy. Keep me and my loved ones safe under the shadow of your wings. Deliver us from all evil and lead us away from temptation. Protect us in our going out 
and our coming in, today and forevermore. I pray for health and well-being, not just for myself, but also for my loved ones. Heal us from every sickness and disease. Mend what is broken within us and revive what has grown weary. I thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician, the healer of all our ailments, and in your hands there is restoration and peace. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, and I claim that promise over our lives today. I pray for deliverance from the spirits of fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and discouragement, and ask for your powerful intervention to break these chains and set me free in the name of Jesus. Lord, prosper the work of my hands. Open doors of opportunity and bless my goals and aspirations. May your abundance flow in my life and let me be a blessing to others. In your loving kindness, I ask that you meet my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, fill me with your love and compassion. Let me be a vessel of your grace, showing kindness and understanding to everyone I encounter. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke all forms of attacks by the enemy. I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I bind the spirit of delay, disappointment, and stagnation in the name of Jesus. I rebuke bonds of oppression and any plans of the enemy to derail your purpose for my life. Lord, as I say this prayer together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. As we come in agreement, praying for each other, let your Holy Spirit move among us, touching every life, healing every wound, and fulfilling every need. In your infinite grace, we ask that you align your blessings to meet us right where we are. May your favor be upon us. May your protection surround us, and may your peace dwell within us. We declare that everything is working for us and not against us. Deliver us from all accidents and negative incidents. We are grateful that your goodness and mercies shall follow us all the days of our lives. Gracious Lord, we pray that you will help us to have a good day today. We claim victory over our challenges, declare healing over our bodies, and we thank you for your unwavering protection. As this day ends, we return with hearts full of thankfulness for every lesson learned, for every blessing received. We give you glory. Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us, comfort us, and empower us in all our ways. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus,
I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this prayer, type the word Amen in the comments section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you in the name of Jesus. You can help us to reach more persons.
Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, hallelujah. We give glory and honor to God this morning. We thank him for another Tuesday morning. All we bless the name of Jesus this day. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it because he is in charge of our day, and so we are thankful unto him. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today is December the 12th, 2023. 12 months and 12 days into this year of 2023. And in just a few more days, we are headed out of 23 into 24. And so we're thanking God and we're thanking on uh, our thoughts for the new year and uh, what we want to do unto God and his people and how we want to live for him in 2024. Because I tell you, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. All we have is today. And we never know what's going to come throughout our day. This is why we remember that he made the day. The day itself is good. But what may come during the day may not be so good. So we trust God to get us through our day. And I'm telling you, we must pray more and lift up the name of Jesus and become more of his. Prepare for his return. Not only that, but listen, anchor ourselves in him because there are some things coming our way. I'm telling you, no matter what we do, no matter how we do it, we're not prepared. Uh Uh-uh, no way. So what we want to do is trust him, lean and depend on him. And God, whatever this thing is coming, give us favor. We're your people and we want your favor upon our lives. Yes, Lord, do it for us in Jesus' name. Yeah, because something is coming, something is coming. And uh, we just wait on the instructions of the Lord. And sometimes he don't say nothing, he just allow it. Because we know to trust him. We know to cast our cares upon him, or he careth for us. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. They told me the storm is passing over. Hallelujah. Ah, yeah, and so I'm grateful Unto Almighty God. Today we are going to be talking about yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And we're looking back at yesteryears. And I want to ask you a question. And if you feel like it when I open the studio, come in and answer it. Was yesteryears better than today? How do you feel about what used to be that's no longer? It's no longer here. It's gone. I ride through places where it used to be, (laughs) but today it's no longer there. There used to be a building there. There used to be a business here. There used to be some homes over there, but they are no longer there. Not only have the people changed, but the land is changing. Because the people come in and tear tear down the land and get rid of what was on it. I mean, tear down the buildings and what, you know, and destroy that and put something up. 
that no community can really use. They buy communities out, buy people homes, they tear it down. People spent 30, 40 years raising their children, their grandchildren, then their great-grandchildren may have come over. Many good holidays, many good celebrations, and they don't care. They come in to buy the people homes to put a highway through because everything needs to be quick, click, and let's go. Everything needs to be fast, too fast and too furious. It, it, that's the way the world wants it. And we are a people who settles for this. We, the people of God, we haven't calmed down in our minds. We, we still use a part of this world system to do what we do when we don't have to. In some cases, people refuse to sell them their land. They force them off it. All kind of craziness. But today, we're looking back at yesterday. And we may even think about tomorrow. But we know yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. Again, we're here today. We're looking at today. What can we do today? What can we do today that we did yesterday? And what I'm saying yesterday, I'm talking about yesteryears as well. Back in the day is what they call it now. And back in the day, they calling it old-fashioned. Back in the day, all kind of stuff, negative things they have to say. But we're going to talk about this this morning, and I want to look in the book of James. I want to look at James, and we're moving right along this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I even went in to find some Christmas uh, gospel music, and I had a little problem finding <laughs> what I wanted to bring forth, you know, something calm and and everything, but it just wasn't there. Yeah, but it's okay because we're moving right along in Jesus, and God knows the intent of our hearts, and we want to praise him, and we believe in praising him. We want to worship him this morning in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. We are going to this special request right here, and then when we come back, uh, we'll come back uh, talking about yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Hallelujah. And we'll look at the book of James. Let's, let's hear this one this morning by Mr. Jarvis Mays. I feel like praising him. <laughs> Like crazy. 
nothing ruffle their feathers and they just calm and meek and just so deep and holy all the time. I wanted to be that way, I thought. That's not the way God made me. <laughs> I would laugh in church. I know you don't understand because y'all know that they taught us church is a serious place. And it is. It's the house of prayer. It's the house of God. But in the house of God and lifting him up and praising and worshiping him, there comes a time for a good time, even more in there that the natural man can take partake of this, let's say, partake of it. So if I come and I can't laugh, if I come and I can't be comfortable, if I come and I can't be me, I won't be back. Because you're deeper than I could ever get. So what I was, a lot of things I was taught yesterday, I can't apply them today. Because God himself has taught me, be ye holy for I am holy. Remember, I bring all things to your remembrance. I lead and guide you in the right path for my name's sake. Remember, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. No weapon that, yeah, he, he comes and he helps. Well, yesterday is gone. And many things we learned in yesterday, we can't use them today. The computer I bought in 2004, it won't service me today. Things have changed. A lot of cars that was bought a long time ago, they, they, they don't have those parts uh, for the car. Something break down, they, they can't fix it anymore. Because things have changed. So yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Take a listen to what James says. In James chapter 1, and he says this. The writer says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Because you got to wait. The trying of your faith working patience. You got to wait. You can move as fast as you want to. You can do back flips, side bends. Uh, you can kick a window out. You can do whatever you want, but nothing is going to change. With time, everything must change. But what you got going on is not changing because you're relying on faith. You're waiting. With your patience. You have the patience to wait on God. He said, Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, though. Because guess what? Temptation is coming. You're going to be tried. The enemy is going to bring things he know you hate. Sometimes he'll bring people and it get on your nerves so bad you just want to take the person and just spin them around till they just spin on down and you don't ever have to worry about that again. But that's not our case. If we fall into diverse temptations, we got to know this. That the trying of our patience works faith. I mean, the trying of our faith works patience. 
But he went on down in the board and said this, but let patience have a perfect work now. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Listen, but let patience have her perfect work. Patience got to work. Patience got work to do. And when we let patience come in and we wait on God, there's a way to wait on him too. You often hear me say, occupy until he comes. Begin to do something that pleases him, something you know that God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. Go give some time. Go volunteer. Go help somebody. Pick up the phone. Call somebody. Check on somebody. Uh, uh, write a couple of letters. Write some Whatever it takes for you to do for God while you're waiting patiently for him to move. Because you got to let patience have her perfect work. Because we all want to be perfect entire and wanting nothing. We all want to be perfect and entire wanting nothing. We want to be complete in God. We want to be his perfect specimen. We want him to love us because we are obeying him. We want to love him because he's our father, he's our God, he's our master, he's our Lord and Savior. He's the best I ever had. He's the best I've ever known. And I believe he's the best I will ever get. He's more than perfect. He's, he's more than wonderful. He's more than awesome. He, he, he's undescribable, really. But we try. And if any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and they shall be given him. See, we don't understand, so we got to go to God. Lord, I need to understand this. I, I, I need to know more about this. It's your word, God. The earth is even yours, the fullness of the world, and they that dwell therein. You own everything and everybody, including that devil. So, Father, I need understanding of these things. I need understanding of how to apply your word to my everyday life. I need understanding of how to walk in your way, not my way. I need to understand how to allow your will to be done in my life. Teach me how to please you. Teach me how to do what you can accept. If I'm lacking wisdom, I'm asking God to give it, give it to all men liberally and upbraid it not. I'm going to get it because I'm asking the one who can give it. See, if I want a, a Rolls Royce, there's no need for me to go to the Honda dealership. Not for a brand new Rolls Royce. I, I need to get on over there to, to the Rolls Royce dealership if I want me one. So there's no need in me keep asking people. He going to send me the people sometime to get the answer. But most times I'm going to be already on my knees asking him for it. Lord, what should I do? Lord, I need wisdom in this. I'm lacking over here. And you said I wouldn't like. I love you this morning. I'm doing the best that I can. God, help me. Because I believe I can do more, but I need your wisdom. 
Look what verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith. Wait now, wait a minute, what you say, Bob? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. I'm going to ask God believing, and I'm not going to, maybe he'll do it, maybe he won't. Maybe he's going to do it, maybe he's not. When he's going to do it, I don't know. I'm not going to go through that. I'm going to put it on the altar before him and walk away and go back to occupy him until he come. I'm going back to helping somebody. I'm going back to visit somebody. I, I may go to a nursing home. I may go to the chapel in the hospital. I may sit outside the jail and just pray for the administration of the jail and those that are incarcerated inside the jail. Why? I'm going to ask God in faith and not waver. And I'm not going to keep praying the same prayer. Nothing is wrong if you keep praying the same prayer, but I'm not. He heard me the first time. Now what I need to do is praise him, worship him, and wait on him. Patience, let it have its perfect work. He said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You know what that's like? You're just being slung around and thrown over here and picked up and thrown back there and picked up and thrown up here. You're just not the same. You, you just can't be stable-minded. You can't be in one place in your mind. You're all over the place in your head. Because you just, maybe God going to do it, maybe he won't. I don't know. He didn't do it yet. I got to go do something. No, that's wavering. That's even doubting. Yeah, but we want to walk in faith. For the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. When we pray, we leave it on the altar, believe in God, and walk away. Leave it alone. I've shared many times I prayed for things and forgot it. Because once I prayed, I put it in the master's hand. I let it go. If he do it, it's going to work together for my good. If he don't do it. It's still going to work together for my good. It's just that he's not doing what's going to take me down. He's not doing what's going to destroy me. He's not doing what's going to hurt me. He's going to do what's going to help me. I've heard women pray for me. Lord, give me Johnny Brown. The Lord wouldn't give her Johnny Brown. Johnny Brown would have beat a brain out. Johnny Brown would have shot a brain out of him. That's what she wanted, but see, she didn't really know Johnny Brown. She was looking at the outer appearance. God wouldn't do it. Oh, Lord, I'm hurting so bad I don't have Johnny Brown. And the Lord just sat back and this too shall pass. Yeah, I hear your heart. And then I want you to sit down and wait on me. Because if you're doing what I say and you're really obeying me, I won't withhold no good thing from you. So if I didn't give you Johnny Brown, that means he wouldn't work together for your good, sugar. Uh-huh. But he said, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. But he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7 says, for let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. What you say? No, you're not getting nothing from God. Because you, you give it to him and take it back. You say you want him to do it, but you're over there trying to fix it for yourself. That won't work. Uh, you, you're doubting in your mind. You, you're all everywhere asking everybody else, well, what you think? 
What, 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 do you know something? I've seen people that seek the prophets. <laughs> Ooh, we. That's all they do. Deeply, sincerely praying and studying the word of God to walk upright in his word. That's not what's happened. Mm-mm. They can't really go to God because they already know in their deepest of heart, that's not what God is having. They trying to make it be God's will, but that's not his will. God's not going to have nobody and no abuse. He don't want you going through that. He'll, he'll remove you from that. But you got to want to be removed. See, you got to want to get up out of that. But these people, they say all of this, but they, their actions show different. God hear what we say, but he's watching exactly what we're doing. And if what we're doing and saying is different, he knows it's not true. Because our lips and our heart must line up together. I often say this. I often say this. God is faithful. And he loves us to the bitter end. And I promise you, if it will work together for your good, he's giving it to you. If you love him and you're doing what he's chosen, called you to do. Yes, ma'am. I'm a living witness. Every time I turn around, he keep on blessing me. Do you know uh, God multiplies? I'm going to tell you something. that I didn't have a whole lot of money, but I needed to do a whole lot of things. And when I looked around, the money, it, it, it just didn't add up for me. I didn't add it up because I knew God was at work, but it just didn't dwindle down as fast. You ever been spending and you had this, that, and the other to pay and each thing you paid, you saw your money getting less and less. Well, this time, he, he didn't do it that way. I paid a, quite a few things, uh, uh, bought a few things for people, you know, to celebrate the holiday. But it just didn't move the down as fast. Nobody but you, Lord. So when we pray, we let it go. And believe God. We don't want to be tossed like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tough. We don't want to be that way. We, we want to let God work it out for us. And we trust him. The songwriter said, I know that I can trust your heart. She knew that she could trust the heart of God. Can we really trust the heart of God? Do you know how to trust God? That's another thing right there to put on the altar and pray about. Lord, teach me how to trust you. He's a great teacher. He loves teaching his people because he don't want none of us to be ignorant. He don't want us to act dumb. He gave us power, love, and a sound mind. So we are teachable. But let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. If he is wavering in his faith, you're not getting nothing. Verse 8 says, a double-minded man is, in, is unstable in all his ways. All his ways, the double-minded man is unstable. I'm going to believe God today. No, I don't think I need that. I don't think that's happening. You're back and forth. You're wavering. 
like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So you can't receive nothing because you got two minds. One is positive and the other one is negative. Pray and ask God to help you. Operate always in your sound mind, in the positive mind, in the mind that calls you to bless others, in the mind that calls you to speak the blessings of God on others, not in that negative mind. They tell you you can't trust nobody, leave people alone, they ain't no good. Not that mind. That mind that tell you, no, you need to get up and go on on over there and do something for yourself when you prayed and asked God to do it. But look, he, he comes back with this now. He, he, he comes back with this right here in verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. He then talked about the wave of the sea being tossed. Let patience have a perfect word. If you're wondering in your mind, if you're wavering in your mind, you're not going to receive anything of, of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then he dropped it right here down and said, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Because sometimes we're looking at other people. Oh, the preacher got it going on. I wish I was the preacher wife. So I'm sitting up and I wish I was the preacher. Because they feel like they of low degree. They're not driving what these people drive. They're not living where these people live. They're not eating what these people are eating. They don't have the same furniture of these people. Sometimes it's that they can't pray like these people pray. They can't read the scripture like this person reads it. They can't teach the class. And you really don't have very much, so you're feeling low. But he said, let the brother of low degree rejoice. I'm going to rejoice right here where I am. I don't have a Rolls Royce. I don't have a house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. But I'm going to rejoice right here with what he gave me, a sound mind. Love, he gave me power. I'm going to rejoice right here because I'm going to be exalted. This is who God is looking to raise up. This is who he's looking to come in there and bring up and put up. Hallelujah. Those that can wait on patiently. I'm going to run this race with patience. I'm not going to worry about that other side of the, of, the, of the street. That's none of my concern over there unless I'm praying for them. I don't have to go through nothing because of what somebody else got. God got something with my name on it. I'm just waiting on it. I'm just waiting on Jesus. And soon my waiting days are going to be over. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, but the rich and that he is made low. Now, now the brother of Lotus Greek is going to be exalted. But the rich and that he is made low, he's going to be made low. Because of the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. My goodness. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Yeah. We know how flowers come in the spring and and bloom, and then when winter come, they gone, they died out, and faded out. We have certain flowers that bloom in the summer, and 
when the fall comes, they phase on out. They can't take the fall weather. I have rose bushes everywhere. And when it starts to turn cool, I mean, they bloom. Then they bloom more, though, in the spring. You you look out there in the spring, and, the, oh, boy, they just they done had children, I say. I have new roses and uh, more buds and all of that. Why? The season has changed. The old ones went away, but new ones come. But that's for the brother of low degree. Yeah, that that you're going through, it's going to fade away. It's going away. And you're going to be able to be exalted and lifted up. And people will know that you you spent time with God. They'll know you're doing something right. Because everything has changed for you. Now you're driving a nice car. You, you, you already moved into a nice house. Now you're able to teach Sunday school in the absence of the Sunday school teacher. Now you go into the minister class or whatever kind of classes they have in over there. Yeah. You was of a low degree, but God exalted you. He brought you up. And he teaches us all of this. Don't exalt yourself. He'll exalt you in due time. The biggest thing with God is patience. Wait. Waiting on him. Because we want him yesterday. He didn't show up. Not with what we talking about. He was right there. He yet blessed us. But he didn't give us what we was talking about. But when the timing is perfect for you, he's going to give you exactly what you're asking for if it's according to his will. You're not asking for things amiss. You're asking for what you know God would do. He'll feed the hungry. He will clothe the naked. Yeah. He'll give a roof to those that's out the door. I'm a living witness. God will. Because these are the things we are always after, money and a job and a better and a better and a better. He will give this to us. And we're still talking about yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. We're still talking about that. Because yesterday we had to have those of us that are from back in the day. Back in them 60s and 70s and I know my parents in the 50s and the 40s, they had to have faith. And they had to walk by faith, many people back then, and not by sight because of what was going on during that time. The four parents, four fathers as they call them, that come out of slavery, they had to trust God to get out. They had to pray and believe God and stand firm. And they couldn't be wavering in their minds. They was of a low degree, but God has exalted those that want to be exalted. Some are trying to exalt themselves because they're in the world and of the world. Right there in the church, I'm trying to tell you. Right there in the church. He said, but the rich, and that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Verse 11 says, for the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat. 
but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Because he got rich because he's not given. He's got rich because he's more of a taker than a giver. And anywhere the opportunity that come open for him to take, this is what he will do. He will take from the poor, he'll take from anybody so that he can have. Uh, in many cases, he's I've seen him be a trickster. He would trick poor people into buying all of this stuff that they think make them look rich. And guess what he's doing? He's wearing all the poor looking stuff. <laughs> yeah, because he don't want to look rich because you might ask for some of his richness. You see? Yeah, he's a trickster. He he reversed it. So you spend your money on what he's selling, and guess what he's doing? He's not spending any of his money on it. You paying for it all. And if he decide to wear something that's expensive, you'll be the one to pay for it. Yeah, that's the way he is. So he's going to fade away. Like a flower. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's happening quick. And it's going to happen quick. Because the mind is not right. It's not stayed on God. It's stayed on what you want. Money, materialistic thing, power in the earth and stuff like that. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. But when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them, that love him. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Lord, I sure want to uh, walk off this job. Lord, I sure want to leave this house. I don't want to pay for it no more. I don't want to be in here no more, Lord. I just want to go. And the Lord said, hold up. Sit right there. If you, if you sit right there, not only will this house change. But guess what? I'll give it to you. You'll never have to worry about a mortgage payment. You, you won't have anything to concern yourself about with this house. But I need you to let patience have a perfect word. I need you to stand on the word. And I have to stand and stand some more because I'm coming to see about you. Right now, it's not a good time. It, it, it's really not a good fix for you right now. But the day is coming when all of it is going to be good for you. Just hold on. Sometimes we, we feel like we can't hold on. Lord, I need it now, right now, God. That's, that's, that's the flesh. We, we, we don't kick up with the flesh and Letting the flesh have its way. Not God have his way, but we're allowing the flesh to have its way. Yeah, and that's not the way. So yesterday is gone. And then yesterday there were some beautiful things that took place. 
they used to say this, and I haven't heard this in a very long time, but they used to say, a man's word is his bond. And what that, the meaning of that was, if he said it, no matter what he had to do, he was going to do it. Whatever he said, he would do. Yeah, because it was his bond. It, it, it was like posting uh, a bond in advance. It was like posting a, a security in advance. So you know, if he said it, this is what he's going to do. Yeah. So verse 12, blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life with the Lord has promised to them that love him. 13 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. Now that's the scripture. And I've heard people say, well, see, the Lord tried me, tempted me with that. No, that wasn't the Lord. I promise you. Uh-uh. He ain't going to tempt you with nobody's husband or nobody else's wife. That's not God. That's not his way. He told you to get your own husband. He told you to get your own wife. He ain't he not going to send somebody else stuff over there and, and, and have you wanting it. No. The devil is a fool and a liar. That's, that's not the way Almighty God rolls. And I'm so grateful that he just won't come in and just take my house right from under me and give it to somebody else because they praying for it. For my house, he gave me. Yeah, Lord, we thank God for having a sound mind. So many God sees people worship, the God that they worship don't have a sound mind. A lot of them worship their husband and wives, and them people don't have sound mind. Yeah. And it's all right today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord, we thank you. Yeah. We thank him. For power, love, and a sound mind. We thank him for that today. Because look, many people go to school and seminary, but guess what? They don't have sound mind. Because they're not operating according to the spirit of God. They're operating according to what's been taught in the seminary class. And evidently, it can't be God because he told me if I go, he would take his anointing from me. I wanted to go. Yeah, I wanted to go and, you know, talk the big talk. And when you go, I'll take my anointing. Yeah. And that's, been, listen, that's been years ago. But I yet remember what he said. And I, I yet can't go. And I yet won't go fooling around. Oh, no, ma'am and no, sir. God has spoken. All I can say is amen. And I'm going to obey what he said. Yeah. So what we're learning to do is to pray. We're learning in our prayer. We're talking to almighty God that have all power. There's nothing too hard for him to do. And he's brought you this far. And many times things looked at gloomy and doomy, and it looked bad for you. And 
It just looked like you, you wasn't going to be able to get out of this or come out of this. And it was going to get worse before it got better. But guess what? He still sustained you. He still brought you out. He still brought you through. He still made a way where you saw no way. He was still there with you all the time. The people said this and that, but he had already spoken on what was going to take place. But you, you, you believed him, but you didn't. You, you had to see it first to believe it, and that's not faith. And, and then you have to have signs and wonders to keep working with. Lord, show me you're going to do it. God, teach me how you're going to do it. Now, he's not doing that. That's not your business. That's his department. Your department is to wait. Believe and wait on him. Have faith and wait on God. That's another big key. Well, I think it's the only key in coming to God is to believe that he is. Yeah, you got to believe that he is. And you got to believe that he's real and that he have all power. Because if we're not believing this, then we're going to fall by the wayside. Yeah, yeah, because you, you, you can't get nothing. You don't see God in that way. You don't know him in that way. Yeah. But the same power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's the same power he gave to you. Put it to the test if you want to. The songwriter said, try Jesus. He's all right. The reason the songwriter said, I know he's all right, I done tried him and found out he's all right. Oh, yeah. So it's all right today, in Jesus' name, if we lift him up, if we walk by faith and not by sight, if we give him glory, honor, and praise because he's worthy. Yeah, if we turn off all of these bright lights for the world, dim the world and turn the lights up high in the spirit of God. We're going to get to see many beautiful things. We're going to get to see just how much he loves us in spite of us because we want him to do so much, but we won't walk up right before him. We won't do so much. Sometimes we don't want to do nothing, but we want him to do everything. Yeah. I'm raising my hand because I'm guilty. Lord, bring it to me. I don't want to go at it. Bring it to me, and he'll do it. He has done it many times. Brought it to me. I didn't have to go out and look for it. It came to me. Sometimes it came through a phone call. Sometimes it came through a letter in the mail. But nonetheless, I didn't go get it. He brought it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times we don't want to pray. We don't want to study the word right. We want to read, but we don't want to study his word. Yeah. God is so faithful to us. I love the book of James. And that James chapter 1 always stay with me because it's a book of faith. And it teaches great things in the book of James chapter 1. Because he's letting me know, hey, Barbara, if you're wavering, 
If you're wavering in your faith, you're not going to get nothing from God. Yeah, you got to stand. I don't care what you see coming your way, Bobby. You got to stand on his word and believe. Because some things going to come your way. It's not going to always look right. It's not going to always feel right. Either. But I can tell you, if you stand in faith, believe in God, trust in him, and wait on him, he's coming. And you won't be disappointed, Bobby. Yeah, you're going to be oh so happy you did. So over the years, I, I, I'm still learning. I'm still learning to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm still learning to let patience have her perfect works. Because I, too, have to wait on God. He don't always move overnight. He don't always move in a few minutes. He don't always move the same day for me. It take a while sometimes. Yeah, because my timing is not his timing. He is time in my book. He is the perfect timing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I thank him this morning for being there. I wanted to share this as well today. I believe back in the day, in many places, in, at many times, because of many things, it was better than today. Yet I have to look at today. And see that things are much easier in a lot of ways. And things don't have to be as stressful unless I get caught up into the world and let it spin me around like it's spinning everybody else. If I pray and ask God for balance, this is what he gives me, balance. I'm holy because he's holy, but I'm not so holy I put other people down. I, I, I won't put a drug abuser down, the alcohol abuser. I can't put them down because I feel I'm holy. But with God, again, he gives balance. When I see people on the dance floor at the ball or at the banquet, I don't have to say, what? I don't have to go there because balance. And see, all our walk are not the same. I don't have the same walk you have, yet we're members of the same body, but we don't have the same walk. I haven't been where you've been. I haven't been through what you've been through, and vice versa, the same with me for you. Yeah. But yet, God is faithful to both of us. And no need for me to judge you because... Judging you, I have to judge me. Telling you the truth this morning. <laughs> and the reason I have to judge me is because of this. I may not have done what you've done, but I've done some bad things too, which made me a sinner. I didn't live right before God every day. I was against him. So now when I want to come now and look at somebody, oh, they're doing this. Let me tell you something. Be careful, Barbara. Be careful. Because guess what? You done did some stuff too. You, 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 I saved you. I brought you out. Yes, I did. I did all of that. But don't forget where you come from. At one point, you was back there. 
and may have been further than where they are. They may be doing a few things, but you may have been doing many. But see, we don't look at it like that. Everybody else's stuff, because it's not ours, it's worse. Because it's not our stuff. Yeah. We look at people, ugh. But we never look at ourselves, you know, in that way. But I thank God this morning for a perfectly sound mind, for great love, for caring, yeah, for power to turn foolishness off, for power to just say no to sin, just say no to the works of the devil, hallelujah, just say no to evil. I thank him for the power. Because the Son come in and set me free. And whom the Son set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Back to it again. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And I know back during those times, oh, it was much better. Because for me, uh, it appeared things was easier. Good day's work for a good day's pay. Um, it was your choice. You could grow a garden in your backyard. You didn't have to get no nothing from the city hall or nowhere. Uh, even on rental properties, you could have a garden if the landlord, you know, agreed. And most times back then, a landlord would agree because they could come by, especially if they had a family and you have corn and okra and uh, collard greens, cabbage, whatever you have. And you're willing to share with the landlord a little bit. You didn't have to share a crop. You didn't have to give him half, but you could give him enough for a meal or two. And he would be happy with that. So he would let you plant food. If you wanted to sell food on the corner, you would just set up your booth or whatever you had, tables and fryers or whatever, and you were able to sell food right down the corner. A busy intersection where you knew cars was running through there, people was coming by. You could sell fried fish sandwiches, fried fish dinners, or barbecue chicken or whatever you had. And people would stop and purchase and talk to you. And back during those days, if you didn't speak to people, you were kind of the worst thing ever <laughs> ever came to town. <laughs> yeah, because everybody basically spoke to everybody. Unless you knew something, you know, was wrong with them or something like that. If you know they weren't, you know, the elevator didn't get off the ground floor, then you knew, okay, don't say nothing to, nothing to them because the elevator's not working. What means they had some mental health issues. But for the most part, everybody spoke to everybody. Back during this time, if people didn't have a whole lot, they was striving and struggling and trying to come up. So they might may have sat next door and borrowed a couple of eggs. I've known people to borrow a whole chicken, a few slices of bacon. Yeah. I either go over there and ask uh, Miss Pittman if she got a pack of meat I can get. I don't care what kind of meat it is. 
I got a few potatoes or I got some rice and I'll make this work. People stopped all of that because they didn't want people talking about it. Now, you may still have a few that do that. But people stopped it because they didn't want people talking about they was begging and borrowing. Then sometime back yesterday, yesteryears in the day, they would do what they call barter. My chickens lay eggs. And my chickens lay a lot of eggs. So I always have plenty of eggs. Sometimes I took them to the market and I sold the eggs to the market owner, to the store owner. Now he had eggs in the store. And I still had plenty of eggs left home. So somebody come over and say, well, uh, I need a dozen of eggs. Or if it's like now the holiday, I, I need three dozen. But I don't have money. But what I do have is a pound cake. I can bring you a pound cake. And uh, I can bring you a link of sausage because they have a smokehouse. I'm telling you, this app was going. And they bothered with each other. But we became so modern and we became so self-centered and so self-filled until it was, we just didn't want to do that no more. We want the money. Yeah. About this family and they had food, but another family didn't. And the son shared it with the parents. So they got some stuff together. And they told the other neighbors. And they lived far apart, like like a mile, let's say a mile. Some of them lived a half a mile from each other. But the houses wasn't close together like in a subdivision. And so they went and they got all they could from people and they brought it to the family who didn't have nothing. And the men told the man of that house, when spring come, we'll come back. Keep the seeds or whatever they had gave them, you know. Keep the seeds. And when spring come, we'll come back and we'll help you plant. If your barn needs repairing, we'll help you Repair your barn. Today, you better have homeowner's insurance. And you better be able to cover your garage. You, you better be able to cover your floors in your house because nobody's getting together coming and help you. Now, I have seen that Latter-day Saints do it. Yeah. They, they came and they did some stuff for me. And I did some baking for them. <laughs> but it was better in a way for me back then because you had the help of your neighbors. If you wasn't married and there was a man in the community, he could help. Because he knew how to put up a fence. He knew how to take down a fence. He knew how to cut grass, edge grass, uh, prune your fly. He, see, he knew some stuff. And he brought his sons with him so he could teach his sons. And they could keep helping the community. Basically, that was yesterday. That a few do it now, but it's not enough. 
The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are yet few in that area. There was a hurricane come through here, and I had a huge Sega palm. It pulled that Sega up from the very root. Do you hear me? The whole root of the Sega was laid out. The, the whole thing was laid out on the grass. I called the realtor lady who sold the house, and I explained to her. She said, oh, I can call over here. And she called around and got some help. They came and cut that, the tree up and put it outside. And then what was left of the root in the ground, her husband came and he got that up. But check this out, the people that came, they was more interested in whether I was buying this house or renting this house than it was if it cut that root up, get it out of here. And and they asked me, and I was, uh, 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 that's all I had to say to them because I, I didn't think you'd come over here to interview me. I thought you'd come to cut this root up and put it outside the road. Yeah. <laughs> but they at least did it. They at least got the majority of it outside the road. And I was happy. Yeah. So some things back there was better. And like some things today is better than was back there. But we pray the Lord give us balance as his people, as Christians, as believers, as the children of God. As the saints of God, we pray that God give us balance, a balanced mind. And Lord, when it comes to learning, understanding, and wisdom and teaching, give us a balance in that that we learn from you. Because we need it from on high. We need it from you, Lord. We don't need it from man. We need it from Almighty God, Jehovah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're grateful unto him. Listen, I have another song request. I am going to the next song request. And uh, when we come back, we're coming back to hear um, I want to say either the whoop is at the door or put God first somewhere in that arena, but I believe it's going to be the whoop is at the door because um this is something we constantly need to remember. And I like to go over it and over it, yeah, until I learn it. See, once you learn it, nobody can take it. Now, if you memorize it, you'll forget it. Oh, uh, yeah. So let's go to this one. He lives, I live Because he gave, I give Because he bore my shame and took my place He took my place I can never be the same Now when he looks at me He sees Calvary Across the blood, the nail pierced hand, his nail pierced hand. Because of him, I have a new name. New name, new name, new name. 
I'm grateful unto him. So look, we're going in. Let's take a listen to the wolf is at the door. I can't get enough of that one right there. I tell you the truth because it helped me to remember and it also reminds me what needs to be done, what I need to do. Hallelujah. So let's take a listen. My message is entitled The Wolf is at the Door. The Wolf is at the Door. Father, I thank you, God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I thank you, Lord, for the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit that gives us new hearts, Lord, so that we can stretch out beyond our limitations and be ambassadors of you and your word to all who can still hear. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for courage and compassion today. God, to speak things that need to be spoken in this generation. Help us, Lord, as a church, never to back away from truth. Help us to go forward and let it fall where it may. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. The wolf is at the door. Isaiah chapter 53. Prophet Isaiah says these words. Who has believed our report? Beginning at verse 1. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, it's it's so important before we even begin to look at this passage of Scripture to understand that it was a religious system that crucified Christ. You know, we understand that the Roman authorities were the instruments of his death, but it was the religious order of the day created by God's own people that put the Son of God on a cross. There were leaders in that generation, and they had, they had used their position over the people to garner titles for themselves. They had adorned themselves in righteous robes as they saw it, and they, they loved to parade among the people, as Jesus said, and be called master, teacher, teacher, teacher in the marketplace. But Jesus himself came in a form that he did not take on this form of grandeur that men give to themselves. And also, too, they created a system of salvation that was much wider and much more inclusive than the one that God had given to us. Matter of fact, it was so narrow that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. They were so offended when he challenged their religious system because they had, they had created this wide door into eternal life and eternal bliss with God that doesn't exist. All kinds of people were coming into the temple 
defiled and going out defiled. They were living in manners and ways that the Bible clearly indicated would leave them excluded from the kingdom of God forever. And so in comes this man. He's not interested in their system. He's not trying to garner one of their titles. He's not doing things their way. The Bible says there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. He's not dressed in righteous robes. He's he's not got boxes on his forehead. He's not walking around with tassels on his arms. He's not parading like some rooster before the people. Talking about how close to God he actually is. They despised him and rejected him because he challenged their religious system. They had created a system of redemption that did not exist. Do you understand? And that's the propensity of humankind. The original sin in the Garden of Eden is that we can be as God is. Remember, we can, we can become judges of what's good and what's evil. And if you take that to its logical extension, we can start declaring things that are, that are God forgives when he doesn't. We can start declaring behaviors righteous when they're not. We can start telling people they're going to heaven when they aren't. That is the grave, grave danger of religion. When humankind in its sin nature is allowed to take it and so twist it and so pervert it that it becomes something that God never intended it to be. Can you imagine sitting in a place as a professed or supposed believer in Christ only to end up at the throne of God one day to find out you've been outside the whole thing all along? What a tragedy that's going to be for so many. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. There was a a heaviness in the heart of the Son of God as he looked on the people as sheep without a shepherd. But we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And we are, of course, reliving the scripture again in great measure in our day. In many, many places, even where God's people are gathering, the word of God is despised. And we are now gravitating to fancy preachers who have opened the door real wide to people who are not going to heaven, given them false peace when they're not at peace with God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things are what passed away, and behold, all things are become new. If, if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, that means a new value system. It means a new heart. It means a new mind. It means a new way of speaking, thinking, living. It means that what God says is good is good, and what God says is evil is evil. We don't try to change that. We accept that from the Word of God. Now, this message is given to shepherds to bring us not only to the knowledge of our salvation, but to the freedom which Christ bought for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his beating, as it is, that he took on the cross, we are healed. The old things don't have power over us anymore unless we choose to let them. The old ways of living, speaking, thinking, doing are broken. And we become new creations in Christ. We are able to look back and say, thank God, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not everything that I hoped to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be, and thank God I'm going to be one day what Christ is calling me to be. So there's this constant moving forward in the life of a genuine believer, leaving 
an old way of thinking, an old way of living, an old way of speaking and moving to truth, even when it's painful. The book of Proverbs says a righteous person swears to their own hurt and doesn't change. In other words, I say I'm going to do this and I do it because God's word says I should, even if it causes me pain. And I don't turn from it. Now, Paul was this kind of a shepherd. He, he didn't hold back, as I said earlier. This is what he said in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 to 31. He said, therefore, I testify to you this day I'm innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, and this is the cry of my heart. If anyone here today hearing my voice ends up in hell, let it not be my fault. Let it never be because I didn't declare to you the whole counsel of God or I didn't warn you of something that had the power to drag you down into eternal darkness. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Paul says, for this I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, he said, day and night with tears. Paul said there's going to be wolves that are going to come and they're all already, there's packs of them now. It's not just a few, there's many now in our generation. And they're going to come to devour the sacrifice of Christ and the promise of new life through him. They're going to promise you liberty, as the scripture says in the New Testament, but they themselves are the slaves to corruption. They're promising something they, they're not experiencing themselves and they can't deliver it. Listen to what Jude says, the last book of the New Testament before the book of the Revelation. Verse 3 says, Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here's what the wolves do. They teach that you can live a lifestyle against the word of God and still claim heaven as your eternal home. That is the wolf that's now at the door of the Christian church in America. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, 
That means people who engage in sexual intercourse outside of the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman. Fornicators are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Settle it. It's in the word of God. Don't be deceived into thinking you can live in a moral lifestyle and heaven will still be your home. So hard for this generation to hear. When you've got preachers standing in pulpits saying, well, God understands your need and God is a God of love and God won't send anybody to hell. No, that's not true. God is a God of love. We know that. But the Bible tells us that fornicators have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Nor idolaters, people who have other loves in there. Something that is in your life that, that is, is, is your whole obsession. Churches or Christ is just a little part of your life, but there's something else in your life that you're pursuing. Nor adulterers, people who engage, who are married, but engage. And, you know, today we take words like adultery and we call it an extramarital affair, as if it's a black tie event. You know, you are invited to an extramarital affair next Friday at 5 o'clock. Bible calls it adultery. Adultery. Settle it. Deal with it. The sex outside of marriage will keep you outside of the kingdom of God. And sex outside of the bonds of the person that you are married to, the, wife, the man or woman you're married to, will also keep you outside of the kingdom of God, unless it's repented of. Nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. In other words, that's both, men and women. Folks, listen. I understand the dilemma, in a sense, uh, that some might face in same-sex attraction. But I'm telling you, you can't give in to that lifestyle on any level because the Bible clearly says it will leave you outside the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said some people are eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, some people just live their lives without any sexual activity for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And he said, whoever can hear this, let them hear it. You know, you can, you go to a funeral, for example, and you can dress it up with flowers all around, and you can, there's a death certificate, and the preacher can get up and say nice words, but the reality is that the corpse is still dead. You can't make it live. It doesn't matter what you do, and it's the same with homosexual marriage, folks. I've got to say it straight out today. I'm not going to hold back on it. You can adorn it with flowers. You can get a certificate from City Hall. You, you can find some backslidden preacher to say nice words about it. But the wages of sin is still death. You can't change that. Now listen. I'll be called a hater for, for this message today. I understand that. But I'm not a hater. If I hated you, I'd let you go to hell. If I hated you, I'd let you die in your sin. If I walk down the street and your house is on fire and you're up in your bedroom window and I don't warn you, am I really a good neighbor? Do I really love you? Do I really care about your eternal destiny? You can curse me out of your bedroom window all you want, but I will still warn you that your house is on fire for your soul's sake. Nor thieves. 
Lest we should think that we're just going to focus on one thing. More thieves. I mean, it's people who steal. It's that simple. People who steal. People who steal a little. They have a contract maybe and steal a little bit more than they should. Income tax time is coming around, folks. Are you going to pay your taxes? <laughs> nor covetous. Nor drunkards. People who come to church this morning, but you were out at a club last night. You're drinking and dancing, and, and this foolishness, I'm out there to share the testimony of Christ. Who are you kidding? If you really are there to do that, stand on the sidewalk with pamphlets in your hand and give it to the drunks coming out of the club. You don't need to be in there with them. No revilers. You know, especially in, in this environment we're now living in, in this country at this time, where reviling has is is, is become the speech of the day, where it's, it's fashionable just to curse everybody around you. You know, Paul said revilers don't inherit the kingdom of God. We have a different heart. We have a different spirit. We're, we're a different kind of people. Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that. Would be to God that I can honestly say that of everybody here today. Such were some of you. But you are sanctified. That means you are set apart for the kingdom of God. You are, you, 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 you honestly repented. You walked away. You moved away from what God's word says is wrong. You can't make it right. You can't change it. It doesn't matter if a million people say, oh, isn't this wonderful? If God's word says it's not, it's not. You are sanctified. You walked away. You walked away from these old ways of thinking, these old behaviors and all of these things. And you set yourself apart for the kingdom of God. You're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now you and I are living in an hour where the wolf is heading to the door of the church. Demanding in our generation that we bow down to this new definitions of good and evil. This is where we're living. The days of being able to say without penalty what I'm saying today are, are over if they're not if they're not over they're very close to over it's an amazing time that we're now living in jesus said in john chapter 10 i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep but a hireling who is not the shepherd one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. This is the point. There's a lot of hirelings in a lot of pulpits in America today. And they're, they're, they don't necessarily leave the people, but they leave biblical truth. They flee the truth when the wolf is at the door. When the wolf says, if you don't bow down, this is our golden statue. This is what this generation is going to look like. This is what you'll preach. These are the truths that you will espouse. They will bow down when the music plays to save themselves because it's always been about themselves, not about the people. The hireling will flee. And you, will, you are seeing and you will see a huge departure from biblical truth in the Christian church in this last hour we're living in. The Bible declares that there's going to be an apostasy, a great falling away in the last days from biblical truth. And the hirelings will lead the people, not into the narrow way of eternal life, but into that broad way 
of destruction. And they flee because it's always been about them. It's been about the robes. It's been about the praises of man. It's been about the titles. It's been about the numbers. It's been about the apparent evidences of success. Then when Christ comes and challenges them, they hate him. His own system hated him. His own people hated him. They pushed him away because he declared their definitions of salvation and truth to be bankrupt. He told them they were full of dead men's bones. He said, you go cross land and sea to get one convert and you make him twice the child of hell that you've become. These are the words of Christ. He warned us in the last days there would be a great falling away. He warned us. He said, you're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You can't escape that. That's a promise in the word of God. We're going to be hated. It's starting now. You're seeing it in society. You're seeing it in the workplace. You can't even have an opinion on things anymore in this generation that we're now living in. Let me say it clearly now. Abortion. For the cause of birth control. Or, or so that pe- I understand there are extenuating circumstances. So please don't misquote me on this. But for the cause of just birth control. Or for the cause of having sexual pleasure. And not having to deal with the life that it can create. Is sin. Amen. In the sight of a holy God. It's a terrible sin in the sight of a holy God. In America today, the deliberate gender confusing of our children in grade school is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our high schools, forbidding our children to pray and creating this fictitious division between the state and the church, which doesn't exist. If you really study it, you'll understand it never existed. It was created by the godless. Forbidding our children to pray in our schools is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our colleges, allowing godless professors to rise up and mock God and radicalize a whole generation against even their own nation that was founded by God for the purpose of being able to worship according to the word of God and freely by conscience is sin in the sight of a holy God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So let this society despise him. Let them consider him ordinary. Let them rebel against his words. But this day, as Joshua once said, if it be hard to follow the Lord, that's your choice. Choose this day. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. By the grace of God, we will not bow before the wolf in this generation. By the grace of God, we will stand for the truth of God. By the grace of God, we will pray again. We will pray again as a church age. By the grace of God, we will stand up unashamed for the truth of Jesus Christ. We stand on the side of victory. We stand on the side. We stand on the side of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
glory, glory. And as uh, David the king once did, we will stand in this generation against the lion and the bear and everything that comes in to devour our children and to devour the people of God. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up. It's time for the people of God to fight back. It's time for us to begin to pray. It's time to run for public office. It's time for teachers to speak. It's time. It's time for the people of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Glory, 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 glory. The true shepherds of God in this generation are going to care more for the people than for their own safety. More than our own reputation. It's not going to be an easy road. But I don't know about you, but I'm not giving up this generation to darkness. I'm going to stand because the word of God stands forever. The opinions of men are like grains of sand on the seashore. They'll fall into nowhere. But the word of God abides forever. Now here's where I conclude. If you're living in sin, I plead with you, while there's still time, turn. Turn from it. And trust God for the strength. I know there's some sitting here or listening online or they're in the annex and they say, you don't know how deep the bondage is. You don't know how powerful the draw is no I don't but I know the spirit of God is more powerful than all of that put together and I know the promise of God is that we will have a new life an eternal life the days of living in Christian ease is over in America folks it's over we're about to join our brothers and sisters in China and other places who are being persecuted for what they believe. In Iran, who are being jailed and put to death for believing in Christ. We've lived a very comfortable, very lazy Christianity in America, but those days are over. The wolf is now at the door. Pray for those of us who lead in any capacity that God would give us courage. As I pray for you, that God would give you a cleanness of life and practice and heart and give you the courage to speak up in whatever environment you find yourself in. Our children are starving for truth in this generation, and they're wide open. There's only a few Goliaths that claim that they have the power to keep us from being the people of God, but they don't. So I challenge you with all my heart, turn from sin, find that new life in Christ and rise up and be the person that God's called you to be. We're going to sing for just a few moments. We're going to worship. I guess my other call is just twofold today. It's for people to say, oh God, help me please to turn from this thing in my life. I don't have to tell you what it is you already know. Help me to turn away 
from watching pornography. Help me to turn away from drink. Help me, God, to turn away from that flirtation in the office. Help me, God, help me, God, to stop railing. Get me off, get me out of the seat of the scornful and help me to walk with the righteous. Deliver me, God, from cowardice and put a love for people in my heart that casts out all fear. Give me a voice to call this generation back to you again. And God, help me not to cower under the fear of the repercussions that will come all of our way. You know, I was in Washington, and there's an ex-general there who really gives courage to my heart every time I meet him and talk with him. And essentially, what he would say if he were standing here is, you have to fight for a cause higher than your own preservation. If it's just about preserving yourself, you'll flee when the enemy comes. If it's about others, you'll stand. May God give us the courage in this generation to stand for those that don't have a voice for themselves, for our children, for the unborn, for our high school students, for our college students, for every mother, every father, every child in this country that needs to know there's a Savior who died for them. Give us the grace to be kind and compassionate to all, not judging anyone. We leave that to God, but reaching as far as we can reach into this mass of fallen humanity with this message of incredible grace that belongs to every person who turns to it through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you will today cause your kingdom to advance. You will give us the strength and courage that we now need as a people to stand against the onslaught of wickedness that wants to extinguish the testimony of your life and word. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for courage for your people as others throughout the world have had to have. God, deliver us, Lord, from this life of ease that so many of your people have known and bring us into the true fight for the souls of men. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. God, we yield our bodies today to this purpose. We thank you in Jesus' name. So we're going to stand in a moment for those who just, you just know you.
is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top by aligning ourselves with God's purpose. Our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in his love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us in chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols, so this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. 
Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take His rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear his voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in his presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order with God at the center. Number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. 
reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We see him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God. Not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing Him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from His throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number eight, understand life's true purpose. Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling? By honoring God and following His commandments, we align ourselves with this higher purpose, Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. 
It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number nine, know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy love and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ, who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. 
The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent and those challenges we encounter. They evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life, and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me, so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Everlasting Father, Almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare in the name of Jesus that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, 
May your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing. When all foundations have been shaken When I'm left standing in the dark And all I feel is my heart breaking You still reign and you're still God And when it feels all hope is
If not, I will get out of here and I have some deliveries to make. So I'll get these Christmas gifts out and um, we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. God bless you, Brother Anthony. Good morning to you, Sister Jerry, and God bless you. And good morning, Sister Rita. God bless you. And a good morning to you, area code 267-968 this morning. God bless you. God bless you. And uh, good morning to you, Sister Sion. And uh, good morning to you, Sister Dorothy Goodman, Sister Irene this morning. And uh, we thank God for each and every one um, that tunes in faithfully every morning. I thank God for y'all. Y'all have no clue. I thank God for you. Yeah. Because it's having a good time when I'm playing songs and I'm praising and worshiping. And I just believe in my heart, if you can, you'll praise and worship. And it just make it that much more better. Hallelujah. I'm grateful unto the Lord for each of you. I can call you by your name according to your phone number. Isn't that wonderful? So I thank God today. Listen, um, we just want to do what we can in this season to bless others. So whatever you can do, whether it be a scripture, whether it be a Christmas card, give somebody something. Just give it to them. Yeah. And it's all right today in Jesus' name because that giving calls blessings to fall upon you. He loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, it's not always money because we don't always have money. We're trying to pay bills and um, take care of ourselves and stuff like that so we don't always have it to give. But we can give a scripture. We can give a song, type a song out. Uh, something that's popular in the in the gospel world right now. Type that song out there on YouTube. Give y'all the words and pass those out. Yeah, and it's already. I uh, email them. Email them. Uh, instant message them. Yeah, text them. Yeah, give somebody something. God again. God loves a cheerful giver. So if no one have anything else to say, I would pray us out this morning. And again, we pray God bring us back tomorrow morning, seven a.m. Eastern Standard Time another episode of Jesus in the morning. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this faithful few. We thank you, Lord, for every caller and every listener. Thank you for those that come through the podcast and the archives. We're great fun to you. We appreciate you. And Father, we love you this day. Thank you for your gospel can be spreading. Thank you that we don't have to be a selfish people. What we find in the word, we keep it to ourselves. What we need, we can only pray for what we need. But, Lord, you open the door, and you love cheerful givers. And, Father, we thank you that we can pray for others. We thank you that we can share your word with others. For your word truly is a lamp unto our feet. Father, it's a light unto our path. And forever, O oh God, your word is settled in heaven. And Lord, if we could lean and depend on that word, stand on your word, Father, we'll be better off. Yeah, and let patience have her perfect work in us today. In the name of Jesus, bless every family member here, every household representing, every friend near and far. And this morning, Father, I ask it for all those that are prepping and still preparing the celebration of December the 25th, Father, I ask that you would move in a mighty way. God, give them their heart's desires this year. Move, Lord, by your spirit, that the family would come to you, that the family would become one, united, 
like they've never done before in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you this morning for hearing and answering our prayers. Father, we ask that you would heal the sick here. Anybody that's not feeling well, anybody been diagnosed with anything, Father, we know you're the great physician. You're the God that healeth thee. Send your word this morning to each heart, and God, it will heal in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military. Bless our brothers and sisters everywhere overseas. Lord, loose your protecting angels to stand watch, to shield and protect them, keep them from all hurt, harm, or danger. In the name of Jesus, bless widows and bereaved families, intercessory prayer people, preachers everywhere. Father, preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people. Ask this morning, Father, that you will continue to bless American leadership. Continue to have mercy, O God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And Father, again, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Bless our going out today. Bless our coming in. Father, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. We ask it all again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. For God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. December the 12th, 2023, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I know I said earlier December the 11th, but it's December the 12th, <laughs> 2023, in Jesus' name. We're going in for a double take this morning. And after this song, I won't be coming back today. God bless you. God bless you.